The Crossing Gate Podcast and the entire Twin Cities Division would like to take this moment to pay our respects to Craig Biskeyer. Craig was a fantastic modeler and advocate for the hobby. Craig helped Ryan Anderson when his Model Railcast podcast needed any information or guidance. The forerunner of almost every podcast about model railroading, Craig always shared his love of the hobby and wrote and produced videos to help operators and modelers. His creation of a railroad in the late 1800s was a masterpiece, and he shared it all with us. His Ten Commandments of Yard Design have been a cornerstone of any successful track plan. So if you have a sound operating yard on your layout, you can thank Craig. He created modern software that was changing the evolution of car forwarding. He saw every obstacle as an opportunity to create something new. Craig always enjoyed the social aspects of the hobby and could be found giving clinics for any modeling group that asked. Craig left a lasting impression on model railroading, podcasting, and anyone he contacted, either in person or online. The Twin Cities Division sends our deepest condolences to the Biskeyer family. Misery loves company, so we love to indoctrinate new people into our little club here. I would argue that once you build a layout or try to build a layout, you look at other layouts differently as well. Well, I noticed that the podcasts, with your editing, I sound a lot more intelligent than I am. (laughs) (laughs) One of the biggest things ends up still being, at least for myself, is to be able to kind of categorize priority. The change in people's perception of what a great model railroad is. You're listening to The Crossing Gate, the official podcast of the Twin Cities Division of the National Model Railroad Association. The topics and discussions are about the world's greatest hobby, model railroading. Here are your hosts, Thomas Gazier and Ken Zeska. This episode of The Crossing Gate is brought to you by the tunnel that is almost bigger than the mountain. Do you have a 4x8 layout but want it to look like the entire state of Colorado? Well then, you need the tunnel in a mountain. Yes, the tunnel has been a great scenery addition ever since Ken Zeska was a little kid. That long? Wow. The tunnel makes any plywood prairie look like your trains are climbing the front range. You can get a straight tunnel. You can get a curved tunnel. You can even get a tunnel with snow on the mountain and bright blue lake. You can get a tunnel made of foam, plastic, and even metal. It adds to operation. You put a coal mine on one side and a power plant for gruesome casket on the other. Instant reason to add a unit coal train. So get your tunnel that is almost as big as the mountain today. Then you can retire the Quaker Oats container that you've been using as a stand-in. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Crossing Gate Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about resin car kits and all the things involved with building them and acquiring them and learning how to add them to your collection. And today, I'm joined by Lester Brewer. Good afternoon. Joe Binish. Hello. And Ken Zeska. Hey, good day, guys. And I'm going to go to you, Lester, first about resin car kits. You really excel at these. 
So why do you build these? And when did you start building these in your model routing endeavors? I build them because I enjoy having cars on my railroad, the Minneapolis Northland Railroad Company, that are as close to prototype as possible. That is the real reason I buy them. I also build them because it enables me to build unique cars that are not available in a ready-run model. You ask why, how I got started in this? I used to go to the NMRA conventions, which I attended quite a few. Uh, originally, the SIG group, which is the RPM group, as it's called, Broadway Prototype Modelers, used to be part of the NMRA convention in the early years. During that time, they had a room always at the national convention. I would go there and I would watch these guys and how excited they were about this latest car they put together, prototype, etc. And as a result, the bug bit. I thought, hey, I can do this. I want to do this. You got influenced at those conventions by seeing some really well-detailed, unique models, right? The real gentleman who is no longer with us was my major influence was Stafford Swain. Okay, because yeah, I, I yeah, he's been he's been in many magazines, right? I mean, I've seen his models. He wrote and, many articles. Okay, so what did you see? What was one of the first models you saw that go? Well, that's unique. I can't get that from an Atherton kit. Well, the first thing I ever saw was, as I said, when I met Stafford Swain at one time, he was working on a gondola, and they just produced. You know, we're talking uh, many years ago. He uh, had produced a, a resin cast and with the proper ribs for the end of a gondola. And I believe it was a CP and he was all excited. And I first you say, well, what's the big deal? And then all of a sudden it hits home. When this model was finally finished and I saw it, wrote uh, really nice. So that's how it be, really began for me. And then of course you go out and buy your first resin kit and you're off and running. And from then on, you continue. I've never tired of it. To me, every car I pick up still today as exciting to build as the first one. Some there's a little more blue smoke occurs than others, but it, we all get frustrations during our builds. I, I think that comes with anything. But yeah, that's a that's a great way to have a, a mentor and influencer. Joe, I'll go to you. Why do you build these kits? And when did you start for these? Well, uh, let's go the, backwards from the way you had less to it. I started, <laughs> I, I was looking at all my Atherin, you know, and the guys who did the custom paint or, or different paint, I can't think of them. Branch line used to do some of those, but, and they all look the same and they all look the same height. So I, and I was looking at prototype pictures of trains. And since I model in the fifties, I thought, well, these cars aren't right because it's that paint scheme, but it's not the same, you know, that car should be shorter than this car. And, and there should be wood cars in here. And some of these cars are really old and you can tell they're on their last legs. And some of these cars are brand new. And I thought, well, this doesn't seem right to me. And so I did a little bit more research and I discovered Westerfield and Sunshine and Funaro and Camerlengo and the RPI shop and West Shore Hobbies. And these are all resin manufacturers. Some of them are still around. And since I come from the kind of a model or a model airplane, that's where I got my modeling started. I looked at it and thought, well, if, if I can build a model airplane, I can build these. So I got my first one. It was a Emin St. L USRA double sheath box car. And it still runs on my layout and it's about 25 years old. And that's my first kit. I really enjoy putting them together and doing the research is really fun because every railroad had a little different idea of how they wanted to do things, especially with the wood cars. So it's every aspect. You find a prototype you want, then you find a model. And not only do you enjoy the research of 
you know, having the correct wood sheath boxcar, like you said, and what Lester brought up with the correct gondola ends, but the building of it is very satisfactory too. They're kind of a fun most, thing to do. Most of the time. Most of the, <laughs> right, okay. Right, it's, it's like everything else in this hobby, the wiring or DCC. Yeah, there are a few of them that have not gotten finished. Let's put it yes, politely. Blue, blue smoke is Lester Quinn. I like that one. So Ken, exactly. building an S-scale, does S-scale almost, no, I want to enforce is the wrong word, but you need these resin kits to get more variety of rolling stock. That's a great point. When I first started modeling rather than American flyering, I noticed that there were a lot of people that were putting out repainted American Flyer boxcars, kind of what Les pointed out, and they, they all looked the same. They might have said Burlington Northern, but they they certainly were the same. And I, and I just knew that wasn't the way a train was. It it had those varying heights. So I, I looked for some kits, and, and originally they were wood kits, and then they were uh, wood and metal, and then they started coming out in resin. And, of course, the early resin was pretty primitive. That was always a chance to get something unique. You know, I don't build as many as Joe or Les do. I'm not that as skilled as they are, and S-scale requires a lot of other time-consuming activities. But I do enjoy the challenge and the satisfaction of building a resin kit or two a year. Okay, yeah, I understand that it's like a challenge of a kit can be some things, you know, everybody has something different in the hobby. I like the challenge of building handling track you know that's some people think that's crazy but as you guys say it's something that is relaxing to me has building these cars are for you gentlemen and so lester i'll go back to you and you're quite the tool affectionado as we all know you have a you know a wonderful way to build this what would you recommend to someone building their first resin kit of a specific tools other than the exacto blade and some things any any specific tools or adhesives that work better with a resin kit well, as you, you go along in your modeling, we all have start out with the number 11 exacto, let's say. You can move on to scalpels, which I think in resin kits, you're going to find a lot of your detail parts or your add-on parts are going to be in a fine resin. Cutting those out can be done that way, but I think a sharper blade like a scalper is easier. But the main tool you're going to need is a square. There are very good square is available from various sources because when you do a, a resin kit, now, if it's a flat kit, which were the older style, the new styles are one-piece bodies. So it's not quite as important. Um, if you're building the older style resin kit, they were flat kits. So you first had to assemble, I would term and call the box. And that is an end glued to a side to create an L. So you create two L's and eventually... That needs to be square. That's where the square comes in. You have machinist blocks. In my case, I have to admit, I had a machine shop mill me special blocks that even have the edges beveled. So if you stick it in a corner and apply glue, the glue doesn't stick. A square machinist block or let's say a square. And some people today are using Legos. For that purpose, because they come perfectly square. So you glue a Lego in the corner and it gives you that square corner L that you now glue the two L's together, eventually attach a floor or roof. However, as I said, kits are one piece bodies. In the build process, when you build an old flat kit type, some people, uh, the modelers are using Legos today because your Legos come perfectly square. You now can build, the flat kit requires usually what we call the box, 
which is the sides and the ends. So you build one L of a side and an end, and you can glue as a Lego there. The same with the other, and then assemble the box, again, using a Lego in the corners, allowing for the roof and floor to fit. Otherwise, like I say, you glue the L's up with some type of machinist box or a square, because it's very important to have that be square. So you're obviously so that roof and floor fit. But however, today in the one-piece body, the one-piece body is no longer requires you to do that step. All you have to usually do is put it in the floor. However, on the new kits, they have a tendency, the resin has a tendency to bow inward on the one-piece body. So I recommend when you buy one and you open that box, you immediately put the floor in, which will keep it in shape and you won't have a problem, or you put stick a baffle in to hold it. Those are the things I would recommend on the new new kits. So the baffle, you can just use a piece of styrene because the one- 060 styrene is perfect. Okay, 060, okay, because yeah, the one resin- 040-060. Just so you put a baffle in is a great way to keep it open. So even if it sits on the shelf now for years, you will not have a problem of that resin bowing in. And I've talked to a couple of the people that do a lot of the casting for the manufacturers, and they recommended that you do do that. Yeah, because the one kit I'm working on here trying to fight my way through had the one-piece body and the floor was square. I think I didn't glue it in yet because it needed weight, which is a good point. We'll maybe get to that too about adding weight. So yeah, those are good points. I love the square and the one, two, three blocks. And then the Legos, I think. I think the Legos is really Legos are Legos are great for a beginner. That's a top tip for beginner. The price and everything. So Joe, sir, we'll go to you about these squares. Now you said you had some crazy name device for that, or yeah, it's called a Kaufman clamp. And if you look on the web, on I think it's Kaufman Engineering, and it's a little aluminum angle, maybe half inch on each leg, and then it has some machine screw run through it and then brass tubing it's kind of the the actual angles part of it milled out where these foam pieces would engage the 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 aluminum and it allows you to put the ends and the sides together and then line them up perfectly and then drop a couple drops of glue right in that corner and that will stick it'll uh, give you a nice 90 degree angle because as les says on a flat kit if you don't get it square when you're uh, assembling them you can really end up in a tough shape. Ask me how I know. Ask you how I know. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so that's the number one thing about these kits is it may be some warping in there and you yeah. want to get them square and you get them flat. And I think those are great ideas what you guys have come up with. I have and, another one, Tom. Can I okay. Have, let's can I, have, let's let me hear me. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. All right. So, I take some of the black plastruct 90 degree angle and I cut a piece. It's like uh, maybe three eighths by three eighths or half by half. And I cut a piece about three quarters of an inch long and I glue it to the inside of the end on the bottom next to or right up where the floor is going to go. And that will be right in line with where the coupler box should be. So I use the coupler box to hold the the bottom onto the box so that that way when the weights break loose, which has happened to do about three of my cars because I didn't glue them in good enough. And I can't get back into those cars. But in the future, I'll be able to take the coupler boxes <laughs> off, take that off, glue the verdammed weight back in place, and then assemble the car and not have it roll as it goes down the rails. Ah, interesting. Okay. 
And you said like the weights come loose. So what adhesive do you recommend for holding the weights in place on, on a resin floor? So uh, I tried the two-sided 3M heavy-duty tape, and that's what broke loose. I roughen the bottom of the floor with sandpaper, pretty coarse sandpaper, and then use silicone of whatever flavor you want and, you know, put a tire weight or whatever you have for weight and glue that to the floor. Okay. Okay. It's like a silicone. Uh, may I chime in with one more? Absolutely. The Formula 560 is one of the new canopy glues on the market that's been there. It's uh, If you're a Zap user CA, it's made by the same company, but you will have to let that usually dry overnight. It looks just like Elmer's white glue. Let's say white glue. But once that dries, it is also very effective for holding the weights. Oh, very nice. Okay. And I think, like you said, you have to let it overnight. Maybe that's part of the appeal of these kits is they're not a one-evening project. You, right. you no. can enjoy these over a couple of evenings, you know, including the painting and the decaling things. That this A couple is, of weeks. A couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. You know, as you're going. It's but a process. It's but, I mean, you can work 15 minutes on that. Yes. And then set it aside to dry and then go back to your, your rest of your layout, your other cars. That's what it's, that's what it kind of sounds. This is the enjoyable part yep. of, let me take my time adding the handrails. So, Ken. Yes, sir. Where would you find these kits? And what do you think is the average cost for, for someone at scale? What's someone talking about? And I'll ask you other guys to chime in, too, about costs of these kits. Yeah, right now we have several manufacturers, Smoky Mountain Model Works. He's actually a pattern maker for a lot of other resin kit manufacturers. He does really good work, and his kits are about $95 to $100. The other one is pre-sized, and he's out in the Grand Junction, Colorado area. He does a little more modern kits, and but again, exquisite detail, and, and his kits are also in the... $95 range. We're lucky to have two good manufacturers in S scale. And then Lester, where would you find these in HO? Where do you? Well, in HO, you have Resin Car Works. You have Yarmouth Model Works. You also have, and there's National Scale Car now. And those are the, I think the three, well, there's Westerfield is another very old name that's been around forever. And the HO line I think those four, Joe, maybe you can add another one, but those are the major manufacturers. The cost currently anywhere from $50 to $60 is the current going price. They used to be in the, I remember the days of 20 and slowly escalating to current, like I say, around $50 to $60. And then, Joe, you mentioned what was the other one? I can't pronounce it. Funero and Camera Link. Was that the? Funaro and Kemmerlengo, they're out in Pennsylvania. Yep. Right, and, okay, that's the kid I have. And it's, yep, it's and so they, they do a kind of a wide range of things, and a lot of East Coast prototypes. They did a beautiful Delaware, Lackawanna, and Western wood sheaths car that I did. Absolutely exquisite castings. And they've changed their resin to kind of a more gray one rather than this white right. stuff that's really hard to work with, in my opinion. Okay. It's hard to see. Their decals are come and go. Their instructions are getting better. But they did a lot of casting for other companies, too. And so they've been around for a long, long time. And their their patterns and their castings are just gorgeous. Yeah. And they're the cheapest one in the market for cost. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I think Joe would agree. Many times if you go to a show, a model railroad show, and if they are there, they will many times say, if you buy one car, you get kit, you get one free. Oh, and wow. the norm, normal one is 
$50 with them. So if you buy, but if you're getting one free, you're really paying $25 for each kit. Now, do these kits come with the trucks and wheels and things? I know they probably will come with couplers because they everybody has their own. But would these come with the trucks? Yes and no. Yeah, it, it depends. Yarmouth sometimes includes them. Sometimes uh, Resin Car Works does. But the, the trucks are available through Tahoe Model Works. Uh, and if you look on the Westerfield site, they have a listing of their trucks. A lot of cars use the ARA spring plank truck, which is the Acurail. They call a Bettendorf, but it's it's a similar design. Sometimes they'll give you a resin truck, and I've had mixed success with those if it's if it's a really unique truck. I would also say that Joe's brought up the resin ones and even the older plastic ones that you had to assemble. Most of them, I think, for a beginner, just don't use them. Joe said the excellent ones out there are Tahoe Model Works. There are many times the Acurail works fine. Tangent is another company that start our and Rapido bringing us some of the trucks that have been missing in the HO world. And I think, don't you guys agree that if you put trucks underneath the car that run really well, they may not be accurate. You can run that as you go look for the correct, you know, manufacturer of the truck arch bar or whatever you want. I'm known as a prototype modeler, so I would never okay never. that time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I will say I throw an Acurail truck on that Joe mentioned. As he said, an ARA cast without uh, with spring plank uh, type truck. I will always throw them on quickly while I go do the research to uh, put the proper truck on there if it is not included in the kit. And nowadays, it's mostly also just the side frames are in there. Because there, you know, you still have the group of some use the 110 wheel and some use the 088 wheels. So, correct. Yeah, yeah, at the metal wheels. Lester, you brought up the point about the price. And I don't think it's so shocking. I mean, I'm, you look at rolling stock now, I'll just say HO scale. Ken can chime in on S scale. You know, like I'm looking at the latest RMC exact drill came out with these Milwaukee Road ribside boxcars. They're absolutely gorgeous. They look like a resin kit, but they're $50 each. You're paying fifty to eighty dollars for a ready-to-run kit anyway. Forty to sixty for a nice resin kit that you can enjoy building is right in line. I don't think that you're paying out of line. Like you said, you can always find deals that shows and the manufacturers do this. So I don't think the prices are that bad. So let's go now to where someone who's starting this can find resources and some mentorship on how to build these if they don't live in an area where, where people are. I know Joe, you've talked to me about these live streaming events. Can you describe those a bit for these resin builds or? The ones that you asked about are the ones put on by Speedwitch Media. Okay, yeah. And if you go to speedwitch.com and look at their menu, there's, they haven't done one in a little while. They may have taken off for the summer. Most of their stuff is archived. This is a free thing. You have to sign up because they don't just want any Yahoo, you know, jumping in there. But so it's a, a Zoom meeting, essentially. It's an RPM. They go all day. And so they'll start at 11 o'clock our time here in the Midwest and go until 8 o'clock in the evening. And there's a break for dinner. Who needs to eat when you're doing trains, right? Gentlemen will, and Les has done one, I think, and, and uh, like Mike Jordan has done one on this, where you go for 45 minutes, an hour, and then people will ask questions. And they'll do a, a topic like fumigating reefers or building 70 tonners or... <laughs> But what would the resin building, guys? What would the resin guys? Well, they'll they'll, they'll talk about a, sp- a specific car and they'll tell you how they built it and show you 
they may have two or three of them that are partway built that they'll show pictures of or put on the camera so they can see how they build it and what parts they use and that kind of stuff. And the documentation is really nice because they'll give you a, a file you can download that'll give you the information. Shoot, some of the guys even give you blow-by-blow uh, blow instructions on how to do it as a downloadable file. Go to the RPMs. There's one in Cocoa Beach in January. I'm trying to convince Mrs. Vintage to go to. The Chicagoland hasn't happened for several years uh, or a few years. There's one down in St. Louis going to be here shortly that I'd like to go to, but I'm not going to make this year. The, the one in St. Louis is July 29th and 30th. Uh, I might go. We'll see. But I think, Ken, I think there's one nearby, isn't there? I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know there actually is one in the Twin Cities. And what? And I know, I know. And it was inspired by the prototype modelers meet. We had some people who were intimidated by that word prototype modelers meet and said, well, I freelance, so can I really come? And so we just call it a modelers meet. But that has been, to me, one of the most fantastic opportunities to learn, not just about building resin kits. Of course, you do that, but about just building in general. We've got some master model railroaders here, including one that is here on with us today, Lester Brewer, who's you know had great clinics on the tools and techniques that he uses. But he also brings these things, these kits, and he'll sit down and he shows you his research. He tells you how he did it. It's really inspiring to be able to talk to people and, and get these ideas. And so, yes, we do in the Twin Cities. And another source out there is various blogs. If you just go out and, let's say, do a model road, uh, look up a particular model railroad, maybe you're interested, or cars on that railroad, you will and hit images on your computer, and you will find many types, many blogs out there. I happen to write one myself, and I'm just saying a lot of those have a lot of great information. They've they researched the history of the car. They may have photos of the car, and then they will have in, uh, the models themselves and instructions on how and how they went about buying them. Or let's say I shouldn't say buying them, but how they built them and where they obtained many of the detailed parts. I think your blog is, and I'll after I'm done here, I'll have you give me the address for that so everyone can look. I like blogs like that because you the show the in progress. Right. And I think that's so important yep. for people like me and everybody else just starting because lots of times you see, oh, here's the kit and the next photo is the finished model rolling on someone's beautiful layout. Right. And I'm like, well, how did you get from A to Z? And what issues did you have from A to Z? You show that quite well. So where can they find your blog at? What's your the address? of My particular blog is MN Railroad Cab 100.blogspot.com forward slash. All right. Yeah, we'll put that in the description. Yeah, you need to. <laughs> yeah, you can, no, but you can check out, you know, his wonderful blog. But I want to get back to you, Joe, because you brought up these. I don't know if you said it was Speedwitch, but they're hosting these all-day clinics like the NMRAX does. Yep, right. They go for 45 minutes, have a Q&A, maybe a breakout session. How would someone not in the inner circle of resin kits who know the secret handshake get to view this? I'm sorry, I can't tell you that, Tom. Okay, no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> if you go onto the Speedwitch uh, site, they will advertise when they're going to have one. I think one of the advertisements is still up for one of the, like the one they had in April or whatever. So when they're going to have another one, they are more than willing to 
you know, have quote unquote new people in and, you know, we all misery loves company. So we love to indoctrinate new people into our little club here. Misery but, loves company. <laughs> Joe, I was going to say also there's national scale car. Yep. They also introduce them. And there is a, a site out there called hindsight 2020 and hindsight 2020 deals with the specific presentations. An internet site, as Joe said, for the RPM presentations by that Speedwitch began with National Scale Car. They will have all that information there. And everybody is welcome because they're all free. The key is they're all free. All you have to do is sign up, turn on your Zoom to join uh, the day of. So what is national scale car then? What what are we talking about? That it's a manufacturer of resin okay. cars, car okay. kits, and he also does what's called mini kits, and he has some tools. So they'll host online clinics and Q and A sessions. Is that correct? yes, correct, correct. Okay, and then yep. you said was it Hindsight? Yes, H I N H I N D S I G H T. 20 slash 20. 20 slash 20. And they host also online clinics yeah, with yep. questions and answers. Yep. Yep. And which is I just know. something wonderful about the, the interwebs now. There's a lot of, not to be said otherwise, but I think having someone like Joe or Ken or Lester talk about how they built this boxcar and then goobers like me allowed to chime in on a question like, well, what adhesive did you use or what weight or why did you do this and get those specific answers in real time would just add to the joy of building these kits. So you, you asked in your agenda, what kind of glues to use? And yeah, most, were a big one. most of the resin glue uh, kits are just done with regular super glue. And I just use the cheapo stuff I get from the hardware store. <laughs> if I had the big bottle, I end up gluing myself to the bench, and my wife has to come down with a gallon of acetone and free yeah. me. Yeah. But uh, what do we pay her not to do that? So. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, sometimes you need a special adhesive to like put on a, a wood roof walk or a metal roof walk, and that's where that canopy glue works really well. Sometimes I'll use um, what is this stuff, plyo bond or goo to hold a piece in place before I really zap it in place. Or barge glue. cement is another yep. one. Barge cement's another flavor. Yep. So you use that, the plyo bond, to hold it, to tack it down, and then you'll come back with another adhesive. Is yeah, then I'll okay. hit it with the super glue. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The other thing that's really handy is uh, the accelerators that you can get for the super glues. It, and it's, usually it's a little spritz, right? Right. And so you put you put the part on there and you can see that it's gonna fall off. So then you have to jig your model and play the part on there with the tweezers and it's got the super glue on and hit it with this accelerator and it's set for life you don't find that the accelerator hitting the ca adhesive disforms it a bit at all you know does that no it does not okay i've had bad luck i my skills are poor okay <laughs> i for well, I'm if, if you have a whole bunch of it if you have a whole bunch gonna, of it yeah it will i was gonna say i'm impatient so I use uh, Zip Kicker a lot during modeling. The only thing about using an accelerator is that some, if you put on a larger quantity, it will turn the joint white. The other thing is that you should be aware that once you use the accelerator, the joint itself is not going to be as strong as the joint if you just let the CA dry on its own. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. There's a pro tip. I've got another one. Top secret pro tip. 
Okay. <laughs> we won't tell. No one listens to this. So. <laughs> ACC over time. ACC over time gets harder. It cures harder. So if you hit something and say, okay, I'll sand that out later. You should sand it out now. If you've got too much CA or you need to break a bond or something like that, even overnight, it's a little bit harder, but if you give it a week, it's going to be rock hard. Wow. So the, and- the, Model plastic guys, the airplane guys or the tank guys will use this to put their fuselages or the tank bodies together, let it sit for a couple of days and then sand it out. And it will be as hard as the plastic is oh. rather than using a putty. Hmm. So, Lester, yep. you talked about that Formula 560. and Would some of these adhesives be best for joining materials of different, you know, wire grab-ons versus the resin? Joe talked about the roof walk, the walk. Well, the most common use of it is really the canopy glue comes into play most of the time, let's say, for maybe attaching the middle weight. Joe mentioned silicone okay. or silicone along with CA. You could, I said you could also use that material. Then I recommend you let it dry overnight and it will, all of our glues, whichever we use, have a setup time, you know, and then longer, usually most are in that 24 hour range. But the other main use that I use it for is Joe mentioned uh, using like a uh, Playa Bond or uh, I, barge cement has been used in the past. They're, those two are basically contact cements. thing about those is that, remember, they contain acetone. So if you were to use them too much, too heavy, and not very light, you might end up with a problem where it could deform the resin in time. So where if you use the canopy glue, like 560, let's say, to glue on a running board the, on the roof, then you may have to use a weight. With that, you will never have a problem of we'll have to worry about the acetone content in your contact cements. Well, maybe that's another point of adhesives of what shouldn't we use, you know, ask me how I know. So acetone will affect the resin model itself. Is that correct? It will affect plastic and it can affect the resin in, in time. It won't do it right away, but it may in time. Now, one other thing about these kits, I've also seen these bottles of resin prep. So when you open up your kit and there's your beautiful model floors and walls and everything, do you have to wash this? What do you recommend you do the first thing to the kit? Do you like this resin prep? Do you just wash this open water, let it dry? Any well, after anything? I'm done fondling the resin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if, yeah. if I'm patient enough, yes, you need, you should wash it like Dawn or anything that's got one of those grease or inhibitors in it. Right, that's before painting, but you don't need no, no, to do no. this before adhesives or but before adhesives. There's a okay. There's a mold release that they put on the molds before they pour the resin. That's okay. That's what I was. That helps. About. Yeah, that helps with the mold life. And okay. if you don't take that off, it can be a real bugger as far as getting the pieces to stick together. The uh, acetone will also affect some of the stuff if you're not very very careful. So you know, acetone is kind of a be very careful with it. Now the resin. The, also- most, the most common to wash that if you're gonna do the wash. If I sometimes get lazy and don't do it, but it is the best way. The most common that all in the RPM world or railway prototype modelers nowadays with the resins, most everybody's using the Dawn product. You've seen it advertised. It takes away the oil off the birds, etc., for oil spills, etc. It works very well on the resins too. And removing the mold releases, Joe 
uh, said. Yeah, no, I like that before painting. So that's a good thing. So you don't need the other prep. And if I may make one more comment. Yeah, that's One of the Canadian manufacturers uh, says you should use their mold release removal product. I personally say save your money and use it elsewhere. (laughs) And if you put enough of the, you buy enough of kits, you will can buy another one down the road. Very good. Les, I've got a bottle of that stuff right here for three ninety five. Do you want some? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's buying a bottle of Dawn dishwashing to eighty eight cents. Up. That's right. So okay, so now I'm going to wrap this up and put you gentlemen on the spot. You've met someone at an RPM meet, a new modeler, and they want to get into this. What would you recommend for a best first kit to start with? What kit? What manufacturer? If you could give them a kit, what would you give them? And I'll go to you, Joe, first. Why don't you tell us a little? All right. Any of the Westerfield flat cars are very, very good kits. Their instructions are extremely well detailed. As for the written part, their pictures are usually uniformly poor because they're so small. Their decals are very, very good. So I would say any of the Westerfield gondola or flat car. You brought up the thing about instructions, which we probably should have got to. These kits come with instructions, usually what, like a one one piece sheet with some photos and things like that. A yeah, it, everybody varies. Um, there's usually some prototype information. You may get lucky and get a drawing. Who do you think uh, has the best instructions? Westerfield. Uh, Westerfield? Westerfields are very good. Their pictures have gotten better, but they're not as good. The old Sunshine kits were very, very good because you got a prototype data sheet and then you got a build sheet. Okay. And it was a booklet. Okay, so you actually you get a lot of information with yeah, maybe yeah. some prototype history and stuff. Yep, pictures of the prototype, pictures of the models, pictures of the models in progress. Yep. Right, because I feel sometimes instructions can, you know, make or break a model. You know, I think. Absolutely. I think looking yes. back as a child as we're building a model of a Sherman tank and you're reading instructions and two hours later you're looking at the Eiffel Tower. It's kind of like, well, that <laughs> well was right. As you know? Joe said, though, the instructions, you know, Westerfields are, I think the written is outstanding. As Joe pointed out, their pictures are small. And if you can get good photos, especially if you're going to do the prototype modeling, pictures worth a thousand words. Right. And so if you can get a good side view, and especially the BN view, which is the brake rigging in, then you pretty well now can, if you have a great set of instructions, along with those photos, you should be able to build the model much easier. Very good. And so then I'll throw this to you, Lynn Lester. You're, you're going to give somebody their first kit. What would you give them? I agree with Joe. I recommend, I have been asked this many times, I recommend a Westerfield flat car or gondola. I fully agree. That's a good place to start, I, like I think. That. Okay. No, that's, I think you're right. You don't have to deal with the sides and you don't have to deal with uh, some of the other things. But it would be Well, nice. that's not true. In a flat oh, really? car, you may have to glue the sides onto the floor or oh. the ends. Okay. Or sometimes, remember when we talked about a flat kit with a box car? Right. It's the same, or well, let's say a flat kit, but you may have to glue the ends or the side sills to the uh, sides and then attach the floor on some of the resin kits. Would they? Would these kits have a representative wood floor or are they now giving you like a laser cut wood floor for like a flat car or gondola? Both. Yes to both. Yes to Okay, so they're they're stepping up to that level. Yeah, it depends who's done it. There's a guy named Chad Boas who lives in Indiana, 
who has made a small side business for himself of building Great Northern. He's got M and L flat cars, if you can believe that. What? <laughs> exactly. But you, he you has said Great Northerners. Are they big sky blue? Or no, they... no, they would. Oh, you okay. said we weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> yeah, we can't talk about. <laughs> he has of uh, the resin casting with the flat car basically built, and then sends you along a laser kit, laser cut wood floor. It's a beautiful, beautiful car. I have three of them. All right, Ken, we're going to put you under the spotlight here. If someone was starting in the wonderful world of S-scale and they want to custom build a, you know, Northern Pacific or something car, what kit would you give someone building a resin kit in S-scale? In S-scale, there are just the two choices, pre-size and smoky. Pre-size has a nice gondola that's easy to make. But going back to instructions, because both these guys do good instructions, they'll send you a little CD with instructions on it. And I thought, being the kind of anal person I am, I'd print those pieces out. And I was always frustrated by the pictures. And then I put the CD back in and I found out that you could blow up the pictures just huge. That's one of the things about a resin kit is a lot of times the car itself has unique underbody or some other unique details. And so those pictures are just fantastic. I would say take either of those manufacturers, pick a a boxcar or a gondola, something less complicated. Uh, don't start out with the H1044 diesel. That's a little tougher. But <laughs> Go back to that point. What did you say that you could blow up these photos? What are they right. including in their kit? Are they giving you a... Oh, no, no. The, they, the photos, they send, instead of a paper instructions, they send you a mini disc. And I appreciate not everybody computer has a mini disc now, but... <laughs> So I can pull the, the instructions right up on my computer. And when I go to that picture, I can blow the picture up and see in fine detail exactly what it is I'm trying to accomplish. Interesting. And that's very helpful. You wonder if the instructions now, if people would include, the manufacturers would include, like Lester says, a website you can go to. Yeah. I wish they were. Here, you know, and, and here's your... Pennsylvania X42 box car and yep. 20 pictures of it in various resin things. car works does that Tom. Oh, do they? The okay. Scale. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so they, that's the guy who was the pattern maker for a lot of sunshine's kits, Frank right. Hodina. So he has taken that. He's kind of brought out his own company and has, is bringing out some of the, the cars that, that uh, sunshine had made like the great Northern 37 box car with the wood sheathing. And so you go on there and you click on that instruction sheet and you get, there must be six or seven pages worth of close-ups of the prototype and how to build them all. Yeah. And yeah. Good point. Good point. Good point. Yeah. And can I get that GN 37 foot box car in big sky blue? Can I? <laughs> um, I don't think they prototypically made it to that. Okay. So they, they, didn't, they didn't get to that. But no, I think that's a, <laughs> that's a genius way to adapt to new technology is here's a kit. And here's the thing. And then maybe even have like a, a chat or hey if you have a question send it here i like that yeah well done gentlemen i appreciate this there's too much to talk about in the time we have so we're going to visit this again but let me go over the points you made and make sure i get them all Excellent. These, these resin kits are close to the prototype as possible you get unique cars right and you get yes. to learn about the prototype that you get the challenge of a kit but it is an enjoyable build make sure you get a square machinist blocks i think they're called one two three blocks and then our pro tip of the day get some legos they're really wonderful <laughs> add your adhesive uh stash there some formula 560 canopy glue careful of the acetone content look for the detailed instructions that some of these people have maybe online 
and check out Lester's blog for step-by-step builds of some very, very unique cars. MN Railroad Cab 100 at blogspot.com. And I think forward slash. Forward slash. Don't forget. But a forward slash. slash on. A lot of times if the forward slash isn't there. Yeah. You don't get it. Oh, no. I don't know why. Bizarre. Blogspot should fix that. We need to adjust that because that's a wonderful blog. Yeah, if you go to a spot once, tell him and he'll email it to you at the next build and you get these beautiful cars and tips and you can have feedback. Hey, Tom. Yes, Joe. One more resource is a, a groups.io is called STMFC, Steam Era Freight Cars. And if you, so it's STMFC at groups.io. And there are lots and lots of prototypical information and information on kits and guys post pictures and how they build them and all that kind of stuff. So the resources are just almost endless. Tom, yes. Yeah. Tom, one point on the, on the point Joe made, Mike made an error at one point when the, this group's IO thing opened up and you got to put the word real in there now. R-E-A-L-S-T-M-F-C. All right. I think that's the, the good points we got for part one of the love of brown 40-foot boxcars. I think we're going to talk about this, but we learned so much more of different scales. So, yeah, check your resin kits out there. And I think we'll wrap it up for that. I thank you, gentlemen, for your time. And thank everyone for listening. And with that, we'll say good night. Say good night, guys. Good night. Good night, good night. Thank you and good night. been listening to the crossing game the official podcast of the twin cities division you can find us on facebook in our group the twin cities division of the nmra you can email us at tcdnmra at gmail.com thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe for future podcasts Yep. The thing is, is that Ken's railroad and Joe's railroad are just the same because only three people have fun on either one of them. Yeah. That was just. Well, that's mainly because Joe's there. <laughs> yeah. Why did you love poor Ken in with me? I don't know. Because Ken is, you know, though, 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 Mike, to be true, if if he didn't bring the donuts, it'd be one. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's the $50 door price. Yeah. <laughs>